0: Unexpected places, unexpected places. If I asked you where the Christmas story was in the Bible, if I asked you where the account of Jesus' arrival on earth is in the Bible, those of you who know your Bible would, would probably say it's found in the Gospels of Matthew and Luke. And you absolutely would not be wrong about that. But the most incredible thing about this story of Jesus' arrival is it is found all throughout Scripture. It is found all throughout Scripture from Genesis to Revelation. And so this Advent series, yes, we are looking for Jesus in unexpected places in the Bible. Please don't let the implication be lost on you. The implication is that perhaps you and I are going to find Jesus in unexpected places in our life. Whether you are a Christian and you have been your whole life, maybe you need to rediscover Jesus Christ because you are going through a a little bit of a dark period yourself. Or maybe if you don't yet know Jesus, you will find him in an unexpected place. And again, if you are a guest with us today, I am so glad you're here. I hope you see Jesus Christ through us. But yeah, we are looking for Jesus in unexpected places. Today we're going to look at Moses. Moses, is is that a name you recognize? Church family, what can we say about Moses? What do you know about Moses? And just shout it out. Who's Moses to you? Ten Ten Commandments. That's right. Charlton Heston. The baby in the basket, right? Moses was that baby that was set down in a river. Man, his, his mother's anguish at that must have been tremendous. Anything else we know about Moses? Yes. Let my people go. Again, Charlton Heston. Let's... It's a fine image. Bill out, Let his people out of slavery, no question. Burning Bush. Burning Bush, yes. Absolutely. Moses is this really, really famous character... For the Israelite people, and for us too. Do we know how long ago Moses lived? He was operating about 1500 BC. Around 1500 BC. And some of you will correct me on that. We don't say BC anymore. What do we say? It's BCE, isn't it? It's BCE, isn't it? I'm old enough to still say BC. Just let me have that. I like BC. I like BC. For those of you who are a lot younger than me and still in shape and cool, like w- w- do you know what BC stands for? It stands for before Christ. I like BC. I know BCE stands before common era because we can't say Jesus, that's fine. That's fine. They can have that. I like to say BC because it reminds me that when you say 1500 BC, it means Moses lived 1500 years before christ 1500 years before christ and what we are going to see today is that moses is very much a part of the christmas story even though he lived 1500 years before christ and i and i want you to know some things about moses before we get started today even beyond what we just talked about the burning bush the leading his people out of slavery right Moses was famous for a lot of really, really good, positive, holy, God-sized things. But Moses was also somebody who knew what it was like to make huge mistakes. Because Moses, if you didn't know, committed murder in Egypt. And he had to flee that land for many, many years. Moses knew what it was like to not belong Because as we talked about as the baby in the basket, he was born a Hebrew, but he was raised by Egyptians and he married a foreigner that was not part of either of those two nations. Moses knew what it was like to have no direction in his life. After he committed murder and had to flee Egypt, he wandered around as a shepherd for 40 years before he found his calling. And even after he found his calling, he wandered around for another 40 years in the desert. So Moses knew what it was like to make mistakes. He knew what it was like to feel like an outsider. He knew what it was like to have no direction in life. And I say all that to say this. This time of year can make us feel like that. It's a beautiful time of year. All the lights, all the parties, all the beautiful Christmas cards. My goodness, sometimes when we look at old photographs of Christmas's past, it can remind some of us that we've made some, some devastating mistakes in our life. Sometimes the Christmas parties can make us feel like an outsider. Do you ever feel like that? Sometimes when we receive all those beautiful Christmas photograph cards, it can make some of us feel... Like we're not where we want to be in life and we're not going anywhere. Do you ever feel like that? We'll come back to that at the end of the message today. Hold on to some of those things. But as we are holding on to some of those things, and we will eventually talk about letting those things go, I want to share with you something that Moses said in Deuteronomy chapter 18, if you have your Bibles, if you have an app, you can feel free to uh, follow along in that app or in that physical Bible. We are in Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy is the fifth book of the Bible. And here Moses is making a speech. He's addressing all of the Israelites. We're going to be in verse 14 of Deuteronomy chapter 18. Here's what Moses says, and he's speaking on behalf of God. He's telling the Israelites, The nations you will dispossess, meaning the nations that you will take over, listen to those who practice sorcery or divination. But as for you, the Lord your God has not permitted you to do so. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. You must listen to him. For this is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said, Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see his great fire anymore, or we will die. The Lord said to me, What they say is good. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their fellow Israelites, and I will put my words in his mouth. He will tell them everything I have commanded him. So the Israelites escape Egypt. They receive God's law on Mount Sinai. That region was also called Horeb. And then they wander for 40 years in the desert on their way to the promised land. And right before the Israelites enter into the promised land... Moses gets up in front of the entire assembly of Israelites and gives this epic speech. Moses gives this epic speech that is God-inspired. The book of Deuteronomy is actually that speech. The entire book of Deuteronomy is a transcript of the speech that Moses gave right before the Israelites went into the promised land. So Moses tells the Israelites that they will be different. They will be different from any other nation. Now he explains if you were following along that other nations try to connect with the divine by practicing witchcraft or sorcery or divination, but not Israel. Israel will indeed have a connection with the divine, but not in some made up invented way. The Israelites will have a very real connection with God. That's what Moses is reminding the Israelites here on the brink of the promised land. You will have a very, very real connection with the God of the universe. How will they have a very real connection with the God of the universe? Through these people called prophets. Through these people called prophets. They would be the intermediaries between God and... And between his people, men and women that God would raise up. And in fact, in any year with the designation BC, which means before Christ, if it's before Christ, this is how God would speak to the people through the mouthpiece of prophets. Now, you may be asking, why did God need an intermediary? Especially if you're new to the faith or even a skeptic of our faith, you might be asking, why did God need a middleman? Or a middle woman. You know why God established prophets? It is right there in the text that we read. The people asked for it. The people asked for prophets. Check out verse 16. This is what you asked of the Lord your God at Horeb on the day of the assembly when you said... Let us not hear the voice of the Lord our God, nor see this great fire anymore, or we will die. We talked about fire, how it can be helpful, helpful, or how it can be destructive and terrifying. Do you know the account of the Israelites receiving the law at Mount Sinai? And Mount Sinai, yes, Moses went up the mountain to receive the law. But at that moment, God also spoke to the entire assembly of Israelites. All the men, women, and children that escaped Egypt were sitting at the base of this mountain in the region called Horeb. And God spoke to all of them. Now you must imagine this scene and put yourself back in that place. This mountain of Sinai, when God was interacting with Moses and with the rest of the people at the base of this mountain, this mountain was on fire. This mountain was on fire, was on fire. I don't know if you can imagine in your mind's eye a mountain on fire, but this mountain was on fire. I don't know if it was actually on fire or if it just looked like it because it was consumed by the power of the Holy Spirit, but all those probably millions of people sitting at the base of this mountain looking up at it saw a mountain on fire. They were a little bit freaked out at this sight. They were. They heard God speaking directly to them. Now, this is the same voice that spoke creation into existence, is the same voice that they are hearing speaking directly to them. Freaked them out a little bit. So the Israelites said, Hey, Moses. Could you just speak directly to God from now on? We're cool with not hearing directly from God. Why don't you speak to God for us? You can tell us what God said. Deuteronomy chapter five says this, go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. This was the Israelites speaking to Moses. You go near and listen to all that the Lord our God says. Then you tell us whatever the Lord our God tells you, We'll listen and obey, we promise. Just don't let us interact directly with God anymore. It's terrifying. So the Israelites wanted a middleman. And God listened to them. And so God established prophets. Moses was one of those prophets. And in verse 15 of chapter 18, Moses says this. The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me, from among you, from your fellow Israelites. You must listen to him. Now, not on any old prophet. This wasn't just any old prophet, a prophet like me, a prophet like Moses. Is there any significance to this, I wonder? Do you know Moses? I know we know about the, the burning bush and the baby in the basket and the fact that this guy is the one that received God's law. He led the people into freedom. But do we really know Moses' story intimately? Speaking of intimacy, I don't think there's any other person in the Old Testament before Christ that had as intimate a relationship with God As did Moses. Listen to this in Exodus chapter 31. The Lord would speak to Moses face to face. As one speaks to a friend, can you imagine this? The God of the pillar of fire, the God that sets mountains on fire, speaking in the booming voice that spoke creation into existence. He spoke to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. I can't even fathom that. We'll be there, by the way, when we arrive in heaven. But Moses had that on this earth. It reminds me of Garden of Eden language. Jeff talked about the Garden of Eden last week, if you were with us. In 1500 BC, which is relatively recent, God was speaking face-to-face with this human being called Moses. He had an intimate connection with God. We've got to know that about Moses. He had an intimate connection with God. And God was going to raise up a prophet like Moses, the second very important thing about Moses is something that we talked about, something Bill brought up. Moses led his people out of captivity. Moses led his people from slavery to freedom. And you can read all about that account in the book of Exodus in the Bible. That's the second book of the Bible. So here in Deuteronomy chapter 18... Moses makes this cryptic prediction that someday a new prophet would arise like him who had a deep connection with God and who was adept at leading people out of slavery into freedom. Now, after Moses makes this epic speech right before the people enter into the promised land, Moses dies. And the Israelites do go into the promised land. And other prophets would come. Miriam. Elijah, Elisha, but none quite like Moses. Isaiah and Jeremiah, but none quite like Moses. Ezekiel, Daniel, Zechariah, Malachi. And then silence. Prophet after prophet after prophet. And then after the prophet Malachi, there was nothing. There was silence for about 300 years. Until a new prophet arrives. This new prophet was a bit eccentric. A lot of prophets were eccentric. Read Jeremiah. A lot of prophets were eccentric. And this this new guy that was claiming to speak on behalf of the divine. Was an eccentric guy. He wore weird clothes. He ate locusts and honey. He was down by the Jordan River. Preaching God's repentance. And baptizing people in the Jordan River. Into... God's repentance. Who was this guy? The Gospel of John chapter 1 says, Now this was John the Baptist's testimony. When the Jewish leaders in Jerusalem sent priests and Levites to ask him who he was. He did not fail to confess, but confessed freely. I am not the Messiah. They asked him then, who are you? Are are you Elijah? he said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Are you the prophet? He answered, no. Now, in most of our English translations, that word prophet there at the end is capitalized with a capital P. It was not like that in the original Greek translations. But if you do read the original Greek, it will say, are you that particular prophet? Are you Elijah? No. Are you that particular prophet? Making very clear that they were asking John the Baptist if he was the same prophet that Moses talked about 1500 years before that. And what John the Baptist had to answer was, no, I am not that prophet either. I don't know if those religious leaders were relieved to hear that or very sad to hear that. Because for 1500 years, the Israelites kept hearing no. The Israelites kept hearing, no. Miriam, are you that prophet your brother Moses talked about? No, I am not that prophet. Elijah, are you the prophet? No. Isaiah, are you the prophet? Daniel, are you the prophet? No. John, are you the prophet? No. But I know the prophet. And even though I, John the Baptist, am not him, he is here. He has arrived in the flesh. After 1,500 years of prediction, after 1,500 years of waiting, after Moses 1,500 years ago said that there would be somebody who would come after me, who is like me, the one has finally arrived, and it's Jesus Christ. And he's here, and he's here in the flesh, and our waiting is over. That's what John the Baptist came to tell the religious leaders and all of the people of Israel that their wait was over. Now, it was hard to believe after 1,500 years, believe that. It was hard to believe. Was this really the guy? Because a lot about Jesus was unexpected, Was this really the prophet? One day, Jesus took just three of his closest disciples, Peter, James, and John. Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to the top of a mountain. And my goodness, some of God's best work was done on a mountaintop or on a hilltop, amen? Yeah, Jesus took Peter, James, and John up to... A mountaintop. Where this happened, according to Mark chapter 9, there Jesus was transfigured before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anybody in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses, who were talking with Jesus. Now, when that happened, the disciples were terrified. A lot like the Israelites were terrified 1,500 years ago at the base of that mountain when God spoke directly to them. Here's what happened next. Then a cloud appeared and covered them, and a voice came from the cloud. This is my son, whom I love. Listen to him. Listen to him. Does this remind you of anything we have just talked about? Perhaps any verses we just read that are a thousand years old? Perhaps when Moses said in Deuteronomy 18.15, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you, from your fellow Israelites, you must listen to him. Moses was a prophet. Miriam was a prophet. Isaiah was a prophet. But Jesus was the prophet that the world had been waiting for. But what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us today? I think some of us love doing what we just did over the last 20 minutes. I think some of us love diving into the history of Scripture and connecting all the dots. For some of us, history was not our favorite subject, and having a conversation about something that happened 3,500 years ago at this point isn't really riveting conversation. But I hope all of us can at least appreciate how a prophecy that was made in 1500 BC that was fulfilled in 30 AD affects us in 2022. People want to see evidence of God's existence, right? There are so many of our friends in our town that will not believe in God because there's no evidence of God. Friends, this is the evidence of God. To me, this is irrefutable proof of God's existence. Jesus pops up in the most unexpected places in history. He appears in a speech made 1,500 years before his arrival. What does that mean for you and for me? It means it's all real. And what is our proper response to Jesus' realness and historicity? Our proper response to all that is to listen to him. Our proper response to Jesus Christ, make no mistake, is to listen to him. Is that so far-fetched? If this is real, if Jesus was a real historical figure and Jesus... (laughs) walked out of the grave three days after he went in, if Jesus was everything he claimed to be, is it so far-fetched that we should listen to Jesus Christ? Because Jesus is the one that connects us with God. Jesus is the one that can lead us from slavery into freedom. Jesus is the one that can lead us into freedom. Now, that's an interesting concept anytime we bring up freedom, I think. Freedom is one of the huge, huge meta-themes of the Bible. But I often reflect on how difficult it is for us as Americans to understand the freedom that God offers because they are different. The difficulty is we think they are the same. We hear this word, freedom, and we equate our earthly freedom with the freedom that Jesus wants to offer for us. And it makes it very, very difficult to really latch on to what Jesus has come to bring us. We live in such an incredibly blessed time in an incredibly blessed nation. If you ask most of us in this room, we would say we are free. So why do I need Jesus? That's a very real conversation that our neighbors want to know the answer to. If Jesus has come to bring freedom, thanks but no thanks, I already have freedom. But here's the deal. What Jesus has come to offer us has nothing to do with political freedom. Nothing to do with political freedom. We're not talking about the freedom that a government can grant us. The freedom that Jesus is speaking of speaks to our souls. Our inmost being. It speaks to our heart. It speaks to our mind. And like we talked about 20 minutes ago, sometimes for some of us, it's this time of year that can help us to see that we are not really as free as we think we are. We really are not as free as we think we are because sometimes for some of us, the parties can make us feel like outsiders. The beautiful Christmas cards that everybody sends us can make us feel like we don't have it together in life. Charlie Brown says in the Charlie Brown Christmas special that he hates this time of year because it reminds him that everybody else is happy except him. Is there anybody that has that notion here today. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands, but I don't think Charlie Brown is the only person that feels like that about Christmas. So many of us are not free in our souls or our hearts or our minds. We are held captive by our anger Or our jealousy, or our paranoia, our bitterness, our fear, our anxiety, our comparison, our addiction, or dozens of dozens of other things that hold us captive, friends. Here's the brass tacks. If you're jealous of somebody else's life, you're not free. If you are plagued by anxiety, you're not free. If you are plagued by anger about somebody or some situation, you are not free. You are a slave. I'm a slave. The Israelites were in slavery for about 400 years. 400 years. The Israelites were in slavery until Moses set them free. The good news this Advent season is that a prophet has come like Moses to set you free. Acts 13 says this, Therefore, my friends, I want you to know that through Jesus, the forgiveness of sins is proclaimed to you. Through him, everybody who believes is set free from every sin, a justification you were not able to obtain under the law of Moses. Jesus has come to set you free. Let us pray. Actually, no. No, no, no. That would be a really convenient place to stop a message, would it not? Jesus has set you free. Let's pray. Let's close up and let's go home. That's not where this message ends. Because the real question I want to ask you this Advent season is, are you listening to Jesus Christ? Jesus has come to set you free, but are you listening to Jesus Our souls are trapped in slavery. What we need is a deep, intimate connection with the Savior this Advent season. But so many of us today have a surface-level connection with Jesus Christ. So many of us today have a surface-level connection with Jesus' church. And we wonder why we don't feel Jesus has come to set us free from everything that is holding us in bondage today. What we have to ask ourselves is, are we listening to Jesus? What Jesus says in John chapter 15 is, If you are my friends, you are my friends, if you do what I command. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant doesn't know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father, I have made known to you. It's all true. It's all true this Advent season. Jesus came to provide us with an intimate connection with God. Jesus came to set us free. Free from everything that holds us in bondage. Do we know God's word? And are we doing what it says?